I greet you all in the very blessed name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now we continue to study on blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Before we go further, let us all turn to God in prayer. Let us pray. Eternal God, our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we bow before you, acknowledging, O God, that we need thy mercies to cleanse us and wash us of all our sins. O Father, we pray that you constantly show us Lord, the sins wherein we are not even aware of that we may, Lord, hunger and thirst after righteousness to repent of them and to draw close to you. And tonight, Lord, we pray once again that you grant to us understanding of your word. Lord, we know that without the working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, Lord, we will not understand, neither will we have desire to obey it. So we pray, O God, that you visit every heart, every hearer, that both young and elderly alike, Lord, will understand, Lord, will embrace your word and go forth and do it. And Father, we pray that you remove all distractions, wandering thoughts, Lord, the cares of the world in our hearts and minds, and cast our thoughts upon you in your holy word. So be with us now, we pray, and that you will hear this prayer to strengthen your people to live aright in Jesus' name. Amen. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness. This hunger and thirst, as we've studied many times, is not just uh, some hunger pangs, all right? It is very intense. So God says that the believer must have this um, desperate, um, intense hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? We've studied, well, what is right in God's eye? what is acceptable in God's eye, what makes us right before God after salvation. After salvation, God wants us to be holy people, to be righteous people. So the Christian must realize salvation's righteousness is imputed to us, but this righteousness to hunger and thirst after, the word, after, after righteousness is something that we must develop in ourselves. Now, so we've understood Hunger and thirst has to do with um, a desire in the heart that is so intense, so strong, that it drives a person to um, desperation, right? Grasping for it. Do you have such um, deep hunger and thirst after righteousness? Now, righteousness is both knowing what God wants us to do as well as, and, and do it, as well as knowing what God does not want us to do and make sure we don't do it. Now, tonight we want to ask ourselves, now, if we don't have such a hunger and thirst, well, maybe you say, I, I do like to be righteous, I do want to be righteous, but I cannot say that I have this hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, don't just say that, well, since I don't have this hunger and thirst, um, there's nothing much I can do about it. Maybe this hunger and thirst is for people who are holy people, godly people, right? Not for me. Um, I don't think I will have that. Now, if that were the case, then God would not put this as a general um, instruction to all and a general promise to all. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, what happens if you feel, I don't have that? 
It can be developed. Now, everything that God demands, commands, and desires for the believer, when he gives such instructions, it means that it is possible. It can be developed. How do I develop this? Well, some steps that we need to think about. Well, first and foremost, we have been studying the previous three um, Beatitudes. See if you can remember them. What's the very first one, Benedict? Poor in spirit. The poor in spirit. Now, you will see the development of this, all right? So the first is poor in spirit. What's the second one, uh, Caleb? Say again. Blessed are they that moan. So poor in spirit is someone who knows, who, who deeply believes, right? Not just things. Deeply believes he has nothing. Nothing good at all. He is absolutely um, devoid of goodness. Moaning is someone who has a broken heart and a contrite spirit towards God, knowing that he is so sinful, knowing that I have nothing good in me, and then as a result, now even if I have anything good, I moan. There is so much that is not good in me, unrighteous in me. What's the third one, Cornelius? Meekness. Let's say they, they are meek. Now, and you may feel that, well, I am, I, I, you may even just say, ah, yes, I'm not a very good Christian, I'm far from what I should be, I, I, I feel very lousy about my, my walk with God, I'm, not what, I'm so far from what I should be. But the moment someone points out some sin, unless you have meekness, right, you will not change. You will not change. You will just keep resisting and fighting. Now you see how Christ develops it. First, you must admit we are so devoid of righteousness. Then we, must, we are so far from what God wants us to be. Then we must moan over that. And we must have the meekness to acknowledge, Lord, I am not like that. I need to be like that. I moan. I mourn. I mourn over this. And then begin to plead to God. And when you hear someone tell you, brother or sister, well, you need to be like that, or do this or not do this. Have more of this when you hear sermons or when someone corrects you. Unless you have the meekness, you will not want to change. You won't have a hunger and thirst to change, to have more righteousness in your life. So that is the development, all right? So those we've covered, revise that. Now, then at this point, with meekness, with meekness, after acknowledging, Lord, I am not what I should be in this aspect, in meekness, you must resolve. The first thing is you must resolve. I am not like that, Lord, and I resolve. I make this decision moving forward. I must fix this problem. My walk with you is cold, and I don't really care about it. Many things in my life the things that should, I, I should deal with, I've not dealt with. The things that I should not do, I've been doing. Lord, it has come to a point of time knowing that I don't have this hunger and thirst after righteousness. Lord, I must change. I must do something about it. 
Now, why do I say that? Because tonight, after we leave this place, is anything going to change in your life? When you and I know we don't, ha we don't have this hunger and thirst, we are just going through all the Christian righteousness because we have to. It's not out of a hunger and thirst. You know, like someone, um, you need to eat vegetables. You need to eat a healthy diet. Yes, you just do it simply because of that. There's no hunger and thirst. You force yourself and that's about it. Now, I'm not saying that just because you, you, you don't have a hunger and thirst, then don't do anything. That's exactly my point tonight. You have to now say, Lord, I'm going to do something about this. Now, the fact that God says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, um, tells us, tells us it's something that can happen in our lives, right? Every Christian, God intends for every Christian to be blessed. This is not just for certain people, not just for full-time workers, pastors. Now, in order, after, after having taken the first step, Lord, I want to do something about this. Where do I begin? Where do I begin? Now, where does righteousness, um, or should I say, what are the sources? What are the sources that would, that would drive righteousness in your heart? What are the sources to go to? Those are the things, first and foremost, must be sought after. When you seek after that, then righteousness will flow through every aspect of your life. What do you think are the sources? I think it's quite straightforward. What do you think is the source? Are the sources of righteousness? Um, um, Alex. Right? So he got the easy one first. The Word of God. The Word of God. Because what is righteousness? How to define what is right and what is wrong? How do we know what is acceptable before God or not? Only the Word of God. So first and foremost, we must develop or we must go to this source. Go to this source. Now, then, you must develop a craving for this source from which the fount of righteousness flows, right? Christ, source, the Word. Now, if you turn with me, all right, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Now, God uses all this to help us in His Word to understand how to develop this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Now, we've studied this verse in great depth as well. Shall we read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2? Now, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Now, notice it is as newborn babes, comma. All right? Um, commas are not in the original text. Right? The King James translators, they put this in to help us understand, to break up the verse for us to know in the original language what is the emphasis. They are not changing any meaning, right? They are helping us to read it rightly. So, as newborn babes, comma, desire the sincere milk of the word. Now, this desire is a verb and a commanded thing. It's, it's not saying babies, like babies desire the milk. milk. No, you say, now, you must have the kind of desire you're commanded to have a desire for the word like babies have a desire for milk. You must have the same kind of craving, longing, desperation 
for milk like a baby has it. So this is a command for us to have such a thing. It's, well, another way of saying hunger and thirst after what? The milk, the word. So the Bible makes it clear to us. One of the things that the Christian must hunger and thirst after is the sincere milk of the word. Now then it says that you may grow thereby. Grow how? How? Grow in righteousness. Grow more and more like Christ. Grow more spiritual. That is righteousness. The more you grow in the word, or rather I say, until you crave the word of God, you will not grow spiritually. You will not be acceptable, pleasing before God in your life, in your walk. So Christian, we must first begin here. The Word of God is given to us and is often described as meat, meat as well, right? And the Apostle Paul even um, rebuked the Corinthian Christian, say, you were supposed to be grown up, but you are still like babes. That was a, 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 an admonition to them, scolding them, all right? You are not grown at all. You have not grown much at all. In terms of your spiritual state, you are like babes not someone that is so strongly and greatly pleasing to God, righteous. So now it begins with that, the word, the word. What is your craving for the word? So you say, I want to start and I've decided to develop this hunger and thirst. Then start here. Start here. Build a craving for the word. You say how, you'll come to it, all right? But we must know where to go to first? The first one is the Word. Now, what is the second, do you think, in Scriptures? What do Scriptures point us to in terms of um, this growth? Um, Vincent. The person of Christ. Okay, yep, quite close. But specifically, how? Um, sing yun. One is the word, the other. What comes to mind? Right, everybody's thinking hard. Jillian, what do you think? A love for God, correct, yes. But the thing is, practically, one of the things that you can, you, you need to go to, right? Yes, th those are not wrong answers, right? So don't get me wrong, but... But how? Hazel. Very good. Prayer. 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 Well, some would say prayer, all right? Prayer. Now, can you please turn um, your Bibles to... Well, you don't need to, actually. It's our memory verse, right? Ephesians, our memory verse. Ephesians 6.18. Now, praying always with all prayer and supplication... In the spirit, right? So that's what um, Hazel just said. Prayer in the spirit. Now, why do I say that the other source is prayer? Why do I say that? Well, God already says very clearly um, we must desire the sincere milk. Then, now, why prayer? Why prayer? So this is a camp revision, right? What is the meaning of supplicate? Thomas. We spent three days studying a lot of this. What is supplicate? In prayer and supplication. 
Jemima. Jemima. Eh, Jemima. What's up, what is supplication? So I have a feeling many will forget. Um, Bichen? Pleading. Very good. Well done, right? Pleading. Pleading. When you read scriptures, you will often see prayer and supplication. Prayer and supplication. Supplication is not so much another kind of prayer. Because if you remember your memory verse, praying with all prayer. All prayer already covers all prayer. Why does God use the word all prayer when, and supplication when all prayer are covered already? And we covered all sorts of prayers in the Bible. Why all prayer and supplication? And why is it that very often when you read scriptures, it's prayer and supplication, prayer and supplication, prayer and supplication. Prayer is prayer already. What is supplication? And this supplication is in the spirit. Now, supplication is pleading. Pleading. All right? Now, this pleading is the begging because there is a need. A begging because there is a need. So, God says, don't just pray. Our prayers must be filled with a genuine begging to God, a pleading to God. Not this cold prayers. Lord, please help me in this. I'm not, I don't have much hunger and thirst. Okay, God help me. There is no hunger and thirst because there is no, the existence of this supplication is not there. So part of, of developing this, uh, this sort of part of the source of having hunger and thirst, besides the word, is prayer. Now, supplicate, it means um, uh, a hunger and thirst, an urgency. There is a great urgency because there is in the soul of the person feeling that there is this great need and there is this, this intense, urgent pleading with God to hear the prayer. Now, so some of you say that, well, um, it's love towards God. That is correct. We studied it in the beginning, right? A love towards God, a dedication, a devotion towards Christ. This hunger and thirst is a devotion and dedication towards Christ. Now, when a person is hungering and thirsting to, to love Christ, to thirst after Christ, the natural thing is supplication, a natural pleading to draw close to God. God, I'm not close to you. God, I don't love you as I ought to. I plead, I beg of you, God, that is such a great need in my life. I must be like that. I'm not like that. There's a great hunger and thirst. Some of you mentioned about, well, fellowship with God. That is exactly what prayer is. So, see, these two sources. In fact, I've, I forgot um, to, to define desire, the sincere milk, right? The word desire is an intense craving and longing. An intense craving and longing for. And very interesting, the dictionaries define it as to pursue with love, to pursue with love. So when you see these this kind of verbs, this kind of um, words used to describe our attitude towards the word desire, longing, craving, intense craving, it's the same, definitions as, same definition as hunger and thirst that we've studied. And then the definition for um, supplication, to supplicate, is the same kind of, of attitude in us, a hunger, a thirst, a craving, a pleading, an entreating for something. You're hungering after something. Now, it, these two things, the source 
of the Christian walk is crucial. Unless you have a hunger and thirst to be close to God, to love Him, to be devoted to Him, you won't be interested in prayer because prayer is truly a great test. Now, you say this supplicate, supplication in the Spirit. We remind ourselves of what we learned. Now, it's something that is not cold. There is zeal, there is fire. The Holy Spirit puts that in us and we must plead for it, hunger for it. Now, these two sources are so crucial, you remember. The church in the New, the New Testament church was reorganized, reorganized in order to make sure for the apostles to continue in the word and in prayer, in prayer and the word. The apostles said, now, we can't keep being sucked into doing all these things which are drawing us away from prayer and the word. And as a result, they told them to set up the office of the deacons, where deacons were then appointed. Now, of course, the Bible is not saying prayer and the word is only for, 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 the, for the apostles, for the um, pastors and the elders. Now, the load must be spread out so that the word and prayer is not neglected. That is how crucial it is. The apostles know that if, that, if those things are affected in their lives, if anything comes to the hindrance, comes to their hindering of um, hindering them from pursuing this and coming after it and, and, and getting it in their lives, they will not be able to lead the church. They will not be able to serve. Their own spiritual life will be affected. So these are the two sources, all right? Because if you want to talk about hunger and thirst, you can talk about so many things after righteousness, so many things about, well, being honest, about um, being loving, about being, um, about being um, 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 pure in, the, in your thoughts and all that. You can so many things. But once you deal with a hunger and thirst for the sources, once you have that in your life, it will just flow to the rest of your life. The hunger and thirst after the word, as you, as you keep feeding on the word, studying the word, Study to show yourself approved. Study is you perspire. You study to the point where you are exhausted. Right? It affects even your sleep. You have to give up your sleep, your rest. Things that you may want to do, necessary things in life even. Now, that is the meaning of the word study. God uses all this to, to show to us that must be the intense hunger for it. When you pursue that with a hunger, the word, then you begin to realize a lot of things about what God says about himself, what God says about how we ought to live. Then you begin to grip your life. Then you begin to change. There will never be a hunger and thirst after any aspects of righteousness in the Christian life until the Word of God is so rich in you. You know, the more you study the Word of God, the more you will view unrighteousness very differently. People who are gripped in many kind of uh, many kinds of um, besetting sins, love for the world, the things of the world, it's it's um, it's sinful ways or it's it's um, carnal things. The more you hunger after the word, once you're hungry after the word, you keep gobbling down the word. 
Now then you will look at these things and you'll feel that these things, you view them very differently. These things are sinful, so sinful, they affect so many things in the Christian life that how is it that I didn't see it like that in the past? Right? Like I told you, I used to be very engrossed in um, movies, in uh, the carnal music of the world. But until the Word of God started to grow in me, I could not see these things. I know that they are not good, but I never saw them as I saw them and be readily to be willing to give them up by the grace of God until the Word of God was rich. Because you begin to see everything with so many different aspects, the way the Bible describes it. So you don't have to go to study a lot of things yet. You start here. Then many areas of righteousness will become very apparent, very clear to you and say, Lord, I do not want to have anything to do with these things anymore. Now the same for prayer. Just now we sung, sweet hour of prayer. All right? Many prayer hymns talk about the return, like this hymn we sung, we, by the return of the hour, sweet hour of prayer. When, when the return time of prayer comes and we pray, you, you, you know yourself that many of the things that, well, you were intending to do that were sinful, right? You just don't want to think about it. But when you pray and when you supplicate in the Spirit, you begin to view those things very differently, right? And when you rise from your knees, you go about your day, you can know, you can sense in you how prayer has now guarded you, right? How prayer has changed you. You, you begin to be more sensitive, towards sin, you, act, you have to face your sin in the place of prayer. Then you begin to plead with God to deliver you, deliver us from evil, lead us not into temptation. It becomes very, very sincere prayer to God. Now, these two things, if they grow, if you have a hunger and thirst for them, your hunger and thirst for righteousness will naturally fall into place and will keep growing. The source. So God tells us to pour our energies into His Word. God tells us to pray without ceasing. You see, when God says, I want you to study, in fact, I command you to study my Word to the point of exhaustion. Don't give excuses. I want you to pray without ceasing. Means your heart and your mind is constantly in a state of prayer, even you go about as you talk to people, as you do things. Now, do you realize that these two things that God commands actually helps you to develop hunger and thirst of the righteousness? These two things, two activities, two aspects of the Christian pursuit, will develop hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, I want to talk a bit more about prayer. All right. It's good that many of you go straight to the ultimate point, which is a love for God, um, a closeness to God. Now, can you turn to Psalm 63? Please, Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Now, verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2. Right, Psalm 63, verses 1 and 2. Now, shall we read Psalm 63, verses 1 and 2 together? A psalm of David. 
when he was in the wilderness of Judah, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory as I've seen thee in the sanctuary. Now, here David described his hunger and thirst. He used this word, all right? His thirsting, his longing after God. Now, literally, he was in a, in a place that very often he did not have water and food. Remember the case where his, his soldiers risked their lives to get some water for him? Now, he literally face all this kind of situation, hunger and thirst to the point of um, collapsing. But look at what he says. His hunger and thirst in the wilderness was what? After God. After God. That is why it's supplication in the Spirit, prayer and supplication in the Spirit. It's always, the Spirit always points us to God. The Spirit always draws us in our prayer towards God. And about what? His glory, His power, His glory that He's seen. It's always a longing for to see the power and the glory of God. He loves God that much. So Christian, to, to have a hunger and thirst after righteousness, learn from David. His hunger and thirst was ultimately the power and the glory of God seen among men. And he wants to see it himself. He has such a great longing for God. What is your current longing? Well, many Christians... They long to wait for the newest movie, the latest fashion, longing for holidays, all these kind of things, right? When you describe the longing to see the power and glory of God, few are interested. Now, when we are not interested in the power and glory of God, you will not be interested in righteousness. Let us be honest about it until you have a thirst, a longing for God to see His glory and His power in your place of prayer. What, why do you pray? Is it always to ask for help for your studies, for your job, for your health, for money, and that is all, for your children, that is all? Now, when your place of prayer is a longing to really see God more clearly, know Him as we should know Him, until that is something that is a craving in your heart, now, you will not bother about righteousness. Why would you bother? Why would you bother about be ple being pleasing to God? Why would you bother to, to say, Lord, you don't like this? All right? This is not right before your eye. Well, even if something that will affect me adversely, Lord, I will give it up. Why? Why would you bother about that if you don't long for God? It's just like someone, all right? Do you long and have a hunger and thirst? To, um, to please me? Of course not, all right? But, well, to please your parents, to please your spouse, you will have that compared to pleasing someone who is not that close to you, right? So, Christian, at this point, I just want to say, first, make a decision. Lord, I don't want to continue in this coldness. Then you must go to the sources, the word and prayer. And both of this is to see the glory of God. It's, it's not for um, making you um, 
morally better, that is all. It is not about that. Right? So good that many of you notice it is, about, it is about God until you are pursuing God in His Word, pursuing God in the place of prayer. You have no ability to grow in a longing for righteousness. Now then, we ask the next question. Now what should I do practically? What should I do practically? Now that I know that God says, study. Now that I know God says, pray without ceasing. And these things are supposed to help me. Help me. Help me grow towards righteousness. Right? Now, first thing we must do to have a, to, to have a longing for anything at all now is actually to put it into our lives. Make it present in our lives. Genuinely present. Now, what do I mean by that? Now, you must set a schedule. You must set a schedule in your life. God gives many instructions like that in the Bible. Redeeming the time, for the days are evil. You must set a schedule to say, Lord, the word and prayer must be scheduled into my life. Because these are the sources that will grow my desire for righteousness. Now, Christian, if you want to grow in this, you have to ask yourself, students, do you set apart a schedule for these two things in your life? I'm not talking about just coming to church, right? I'm not just talking about just going through the motion. That is why we remind ourselves this hunger and thirst of David was the glory of God, right? To see his power and his glory. It's not about just doing something. It won't grow if it's just out of um, routine and, and um, um, just to get it out of the way. So there must be after a resolution, making a schedule and these things now become a part of your life. Now remember... Uncle Bernie, right? Many of you know this story, right? Uncle Bernie, um, a 90-over-year-old man, when we started Firestone Bible College classes in church, he would drive all the way from the north down here, right, and drive back at night. He made that part of his schedule, to come and study God's Word with everybody. Right? He comes for um, Bible studies and so on. And many of you know that when it's FEBC holidays, now, it became such a part of his life. He didn't know what to do with his time. And he, he was very uncomfortable. He just said, can we just screen something? Just screen the old FEBC courses, right? It was so part, uh, ingrained schedule in his life. But it's not just schedule for the sake of schedule. He was very hungry for God's word. Now, Christian, to, re to make a resolution is to make schedules and until this thing becomes so natural a part of your life and when you're doing it, you're pursuing God. It will come a stage where you, you must have it and when it's not, you hunger and thirst after it, right? Now, initially, you may not very, be very interested but you know it is important and you know what is your aim. I am aiming to pursue after God in my place of prayer and in my quiet time. It is not just to please daddy and mommy. It's not just to ease my conscience before I go to work. 
Now, when you begin to do it more and more and more, when you obey God's commandment to study and pray without ceasing, God's word is not, are not empty promises. You will begin to grow. But you must put it into your life first. That is the point. Well, it's the same with everything else. Exercise likewise. You put it in, initially you don't quite like it. But you know it is important. And you're resolved to, to grow healthy. The initial part is not always pleasant. It's not always something you want to do. But you know that when you do it, it will begin to grow on you. Right? Well, that is why people here, I, I, I kind of respect them. Right? The moment it's time for gym, the moment it's time for recreation, they protect it with, with um, a lot of zeal. All right? They're hungering and thirsting for the time for work to stop, and then they rush off for their exercise. Now, the more you do it, you come to a point where when you are not able to do it, you hunger and thirst. You must have it. So, Christian, it begins there. All right. Yes, maybe for the next few weeks, next few months, you struggle. But please know, even with the bodily exercise, it takes time. Spiritual exercises also, because there is so much to undo in our lives, so much that we love, that is stronger in our thirst and hunger after. Now, this hunger and thirst, thirst or should I say, then what is the next step? What is the next step? Now, the next step is to be very careful of something. This is a warning. This hunger and thirst can drop over time. Either drop before you even develop it to a point where you hunger and thirst after the word and prayer, the sources, the fountain, for all righteousness, or it can drop after you have developed a hunger and thirst for these two things. Now, what do I mean? Now, in the first case, the point is don't give up. It will grow. God does not tell us to do something for no reason. And these are the two things which God says, pour your effort and time into. Don't give up it will come. But in the second case, now, how do you explain, for example, after you hear, hear some messages, after a certain series of your personal quiet time devotion, study of the word or FABC course, you're stirred up in your heart, you're fired up in your heart with a hunger and thirst, all right, to live a certain way, to, to, to do certain things or not to do certain things anymore. And how do you explain that inevitably, sad to say, sad to have to use the word inevitably, or should I say often, very often, it just begins to fizzle and go off. Why? Why? Maybe there was a renewed desire to study the word in the recent years in your life or recent months or renewed um, this zeal to, to pray, seek the Lord, set apart time to do it. Now, what happened? What happened? Well, just like the analogy of food, right? So God uses hunger and thirst. We use the analogy of food. Now, if you feed your child 
a healthy diet for, a, for some time, it begins to develop a taste. You manage to wean it off, all right, certain bad food. Now, but if you're not careful, some of that is allowed back into the child's life, or even as adults, we know that, right? We eat healthily, we exercise, we kept the routine, we reach a stage where we really like that routine and we, we enjoy it. Then we say, maybe I shall relax a bit, right? Treat myself to a bit of this, a bit of that. Maybe I'll take a few days off. What happens? You know that whatever you allow yourself to go back to, or you allow it to grow into your life. So sometimes you may be in a routine and you, you, are, you are feeling the hunger and thirst for it. You can't miss it. You don't want to miss it. But then something happens. Ah, maybe um, I allow this new thing in my life. But it means that it will, take, it will eat into some of my exercise time. Now you allow it. Now once you allow it, you will find that the flesh being the flesh, the flesh will naturally like the things that are unrighteous. That is the flesh. And then the things that are unrighteous begin to grow more and more in your life. Then again, the hunger and thirst disappears. So you have to ask yourself, God, where did I go wrong? What did I allow into my life after making those resolutions, after, doing, after obeying your commandments about studying and praying? God, what went wrong? I think we will often trace back to once again, all right, letting certain things come into play, come into place. Now, it means this, to ensure a hunger and thirst after righteousness, you must prioritize, prioritize the word and prayer, the sources of righteousness above all else, untouchable. That even some things that are so-called necessary things in life, you will have to find how to manage it and not let it affect your time of study and prayer. That is the only way. So hungry and thirst, developing a hunger and thirst requires this kind of diligence and actions. All right? It's not something that's just going to happen to you. Because blessed are they that are like that. So go and be like that. How? These are some of the examples. Now, until you discipline yourself, and even, like I mentioned, even sleep, you may realize that in order to develop this hunger and thirst, people, um, for exercise, people give up sleep. They wake up earlier to go and swim, go to the gym, whatever it is, to make time for it, priority. Now, you know, the irony about prayer is this. To develop a hunger and thirst for the place of prayer, for prayer, for drawing close to God, for knowing the delights of prayer, of seeing His glory and knowing His presence in the place of prayer. To have a hunger and thirst for prayer. Sometimes it calls for us to have a hunger, to tolerate a hunger and thirst, meaning to fast. We need to fast. Is prayer so, such a priority to you that you would fast? Would you? You want to develop a hunger and thirst for food, certain food? You eat it more. You give up prayer, right? give up other things. Now, don't you realize that eating takes up a lot of time? You wake up, then you have breakfast, then you go to work, right? Then you already find that, ah, 
sometimes given up. And then, next thing you know, it's break time or lunch time, right? Then you have to eat. Then after that, you work or do whatever is necessary. And then after that, it's eat again, right? Now, I'm not saying do not eat at all. The Lord tells his disciples to fast and pray when he's not with them. He said, my disciples, they will fast and pray when I'm not with them. Now, sometimes even for me, right, I find that you pray and then you need to do all the church things, get all the things done, and then you try to set a part-time, you go and pray, then before you know it, I hear Sharon, lunchtime, and say, oh, nice lunchtime already. You know, how, why did the time fly so fast? And you do something and then you do all the necessary things, you want to pray again and again it's dinner time and sometimes I feel like I, or rather I begin to understand why we need to fast. It's like today I'm just skipping lunch, right? I'm skipping all this food so that I can be not interrupted in the closeness with God because sometimes they shout, it's lunch time, right? I can't, I can't blame Sharon, it's lunch time, right? But sometimes it's a time when I know I can sense the presence of God and I, it's a very blessed time of praying about the church, about something. And then you kind of have to break the prayer. And we come back, it's just different. So the Lord is fast and pray. So sometimes we even have to reschedule our meals or not have meals. So is that such a priority to you? You hunger and thirst after drawing close to God in the place of prayer that you will tolerate hunger and thirst. So, Christian, what I'm trying to say is this. When we don't take the developing of the hunger and thirst seriously, right, we will never grow to the next stage of this hunger and thirst that Christ talks about. It will be just, well, yes, I, I like studying God's Word. I, I don't mind studying God's Word. Yeah, I, I like to pray as well. I kind of like it but it is not and never will be a hunger and a thirst until you taste and taste and taste and taste. And this taste only, is only developed. It's taste for God through His Word and prayer. This taste will only develop if you keep forcing yourself to taste it, to taste it, to taste it, and then it begins to grow. Now, this is how we develop hunger and thirst. These are the sources that we should go to, first and foremost. Let us turn to God in prayer. Eternal God, our gracious, loving, heavenly Father, Lord, we often wonder, why is it that we do not have such hunger and thirst after righteousness? Lord, we begin to realize we have no hunger and thirst after you. Why should we have hunger and thirst after the righteousness that you tell us of. So, Father, we pray that young and old alike will understand that to develop this hunger and thirst, there must be this discipline to schedule your word and prayer, the target to draw close to you. It's a very real thing in our life and prioritize it and never let anything, never let anything Lord, come in this way that even the necessities of life, Lord, we would find ways to reduce it. And Father, we pray that each one of us, as we go through this, 
Or we may know quickly that taste of hunger and thirst of the righteousness before you. And Father, we pray now that you meet with us in the place of prayer. Thy church can do nothing without you. And Lord, we will go wrong without your guiding and leading and answering of our prayers. Thy people's spiritual walk, O Lord, will be affected unless thou hear our prayers to keep us, to constrain us. So be in our midst to meet with us. We plead with you. In Jesus' name, amen.